I'm James Milley. And I'm Alex Mito. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. Hello, business artists and art entrepreneurs. Welcome to another episode of The Artist Business Plan. My name is James Milley, and I'm the managing partner and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair, the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S. Besides hosting our in-person fairs around the country, we're also a business resource for all things art, artists, and marketing art. I am here in New York City today chatting with Michael Foley of none other than Foley Gallery. Michael actually spoke with us a couple of months ago as well on our live webcast, And today we're going to dive deeper on how artists can make their art stand out from the pack. It's great to have you back on the show, Michael. Oh, James, good to be here. Nice (laughs) to be speaking with you once more. Awesome. So just to give some background on Michael, Michael opened his gallery in 2004 after 14 years of working with notable photography galleries, including Frankel Gallery, Howard Greenberg Gallery, and Yancey Richardson Gallery. His gallery has since been invited to participate in over 20 art fairs around the world, and his gallery exhibitions and artists have been reviewed and written about in several publications, including the New York Times, the New York Times Magazine, The New Yorker, Modern Painters, and Art News. Besides Foley Gallery, Michael is also the founder of The Photo Community, which is an online platform for people involved in various aspects of fine art photography. He continues his interest in educating by serving on the faculty of the School of Visual Arts and the International Center of Photography, where he teaches and lectures on issues in contemporary photography. He has been a portfolio reviewer at over 25 photography reviews throughout the United States. Welcome to the show, Michael. Oh, it's so good to be here. That makes me feel so old and tired. <laughs> My gosh, I'm ready to, ready to cash it in. So many accomplishments. Yo. Thank you again for being yeah. here, Michael. Yeah, sure um, One little curveball I'm going to throw at you that we did not do on the show last time. Before we get started with our questions, I'd like yeah. to ask a question just to help our audience get to know the real Michael Foley. So, uh, Okay, revealed here for the first time. <laughs> So what is the earliest memory you have of art? And did you realize then that you'd be dedicating your life to art and artists? Oh yeah, right. Of course. Uh, Back in the, back in the third grade. Now I remember it well. And this was a, this was a lesson that I learned. Like every artist should learn this lesson. So we were given a project where we had to bring a jar from home to the art class. And the teacher showed us how to shellac translucent colored tissue paper around the jar so that it would be like this jar wrapped in this cool tissue paper of all different colors, right? Yeah. So I was doing it and I was choosing the same two colors again and again. And the teacher all of a sudden introduced red to me and she put the red with the other two colors I was using. And I was like, wow, I never thought that I could do that. So I guess, you know, fast forward many years, I would say like for an artist to get in a rut, or I should say kind of doing the same thing again and again and again, sometimes they need like that outside observation or that nudge to say, hey, wait, that's great. But have you tried doing this or have you tried adding this to it? And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I never even thought about that. And that's what happened. I brought home that jar. I was so excited. I showed that one little patch of red. And uh, to this day, my dad still has that jar. So every time I go see him, I'm like, there it is. There's that red. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. That's such an inspiring story just for 
thinking outside the box, getting this outside perspective. That's just, you know, introducing something that can be really simple, but when you're managing yourself, it it can sometimes be hard to to see something that's right in front of you. So absolutely. And just like you're saying, just sometimes a slight shift, it doesn't have to be major upheaval. Just, just a little pivot. You don't have to take a 180. We're all, we're all doing something right. Right. Um, Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for that story. I love that. Sure. Um, And let's dive into your more present day questions. So we talked about this last time, Michael, and I just wanted to start out by talking about your Instacrit portfolio review again. What are some of the criteria that you're evaluating in a typical Instacrit session? And what is the biggest challenge that you see emerging artists facing when they're trying to take their career to the next level? You know, the Instacrit was set up for really kind of a catch-all for people to share their work. It could be the editing of the sequencing of the work. They have too much. They don't know how to slim it down. Sometimes it's something brand new and they want to get some idea of like, do you see a direction that this is going in? Or I have several directions. Can you kind of help me focus that? So a lot of times it's real, real practical stuff about the work itself and looking at the selection of things that people submit to me. And saying, hey, this is working, this is not working. And then getting in tune with what it is they're really trying to explore, what problems they're trying to solve with the work and what they're trying to show us. And then looking at the work and saying, hey, this is working or not working. And I see what you're saying in the work, or I don't see what you're saying in the work. And we need to remedy that situation either by changing the work or changing the way you talk about it and changing the outcome that you want. The other half of it is practical advice, business-wise. Who should I show my work to? Is it a book or is it an exhibition? What sizes should I make this work? How does my Instagram feed look to you? How does my artist statement sound to you? Sometimes it's really about the work, the content itself. And other times it's about more professional problem solving. Yeah. You know, I think that kind of taking this comprehensive approach to it and just seeing exactly what you know, that specific artist is questioning at that point. And, you know, coming up with answers for that, I think is really great. Now, for those of you who don't know, I am also a photographer myself. And actually, after the last time that we had Michael on our show, I was so inspired. And I actually signed up for my own Instacrit session with him, I think the next day or very, very soon after. <laughs> but yeah, you you hopped right on board. I that did. Was, I, was, was awesome. I, I was sold. I was sold. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I actually totally agree with what you're saying. I think that you really identified some clear next steps that I should take in my own photography practice with some of the challenges that I was coming up against at that exact time, you know, was a combination of not just what I should be doing with the subject matter of my art, but also structuring my art business. So I I really like that wholesome look at it that, that you offer. So my next question for you is, why is having a solid business plan so important for artists and how can they differentiate themselves by examining their art practice more closely? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, being an artist sometimes just seems like how to create work and how to make work better and how to, you know, work that aspect of the art making practice out. You know, being an artist is being a business person and having almost kind of two hem- the two hemispheres of the brain have to be working, not always at the same time, but they have to be working equally, I think, if you really want to be getting your work out there. And so Defining your practice and making your work better is one thing, but then there's the other aspect of how to get your work out there. 
how to be seen, how to prepare yourself for a studio visit or how to write a grant proposal, how to apply to a residency, how to approach a gallery, a whole list of things that really deal with the professional aspect of being an artist. You know, I have an art gallery, as you know, and a lot of times people will say to me naively, like, how do you make money? And I'm like, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, you know, sometimes I make money, sometimes I don't because they just don't even understand you can buy art and sell art. I know that for you and for a lot of listeners, that will be a little surprising, but people sometimes will come in here and say, how do you make money? They just don't understand how this whole process works. And I think it's also true for an artist. And that is like, how do you be a successful artist? You can set up different ways of working. You can set up outcomes for yourself just as a practicing artist. But then there's the professional aspect that you need to get in touch with, marketing your work, setting up the right website, the right Instagram account, reaching out to people, articulating your work, how to speak about your work, how to write about your work. All of those aspects are so, so, so important. And then also pricing. You know, I know that you and I talked about that a little bit where you have an active website and you have, you know, basically a click and buy setup where you could go on, you can look at the work, choose your size, you choose your frame and you buy it. Well, you had to make a lot of choices when it came to setting that up about what is your edition size? What sizes are you going to make available? What should my starting price be? And those are decisions that, where do you get advice on that? Absolutely. And, you know, when you're starting out, you really don't have any of this information available to you. You don't learn all of these things when you're getting an MFA or anything like that, or just pre-MFA. But the resources, they're available online. And I think that taking a combination of resources like this, where you're listening in and you're able to absorb information that's out there, but then also seeking out some feedback, some education that's specific to your work, because ultimately art is going to differ for each individual person. There's no exact formula of, well, if you price your art at this number, you have these additions, because if that was the case, everyone would have the exact same format but it really depends uh, on you as an artist. So just getting a little bit of that outside perspective specific to your work, I I think is really great. Yeah, and what you were mentioning, I I think ties in really nicely to my next question, which is just kind of looking at the different avenues, the, the different roads that an artist can take. So I mentioned this last time, but Superfine works with fully independent artists, but also artists that have these non-exclusive relationships with galleries. And one of the questions that we hear most frequently from artists is whether seeking out gallery representation is the right next step for their career. Um, So as a gallery director, I, I think you have a really great perspective on this. What is your take on the gallery versus non-gallery path? And what would you say is really the core difference between them in terms of what an artist is going to get out of it and what goals can they achieve? Sure. Obviously, some time ago, really the only path was was through a gallery. And a lot of the creative arts, whether that was you know being a musician or, or other aspects of visual arts, finding a gallery was your pretty much your number one concern. You know, that was kind of the the top of the achievement list to get the right gallery and then get several galleries, you know, in different parts of the country or different parts of the world and have them represent your work. That takes a tremendous burden off the artist in all that marketing, all that selling, and then dealing with prices and numbers and having to sell your work directly to clients. You know, it unnerves some artists. They don't like talking about money and they don't like selling their work in person. And there's something about it that's really challenging. And so the gallery alleviates the artist of all of that stuff. 
And that's great shipping as well. Just a simple thing like that. The gallery will take care of that shipping. You don't have to worry about how to ship a ceramic piece to Australia because they'll deal with it, right? You got to go back to the studio and keep making the work. So certainly having a gallery was an important thing. It's still an important thing, but Gosh, you know more than anybody, James. There's so many opportunities now for individual artists to put their work out there and make it available immediately, immediately. So I think you should do everything as an artist in your power to push your work out there, to make it available to be seen and to be purchased, and at the same time, to be looking for galleries that would represent your work. I don't think it's either or. If I were to talk to any artist, I would say, listen, do both. There are plenty of ways to put your work out there. It's a simple website with you know, a Shopify component or another way to actually click and buy work, or at the very least, explaining your work, putting the prices there, and then having an email contact. But I always think you should put it out there like you're doing on your website with the ability for someone that you don't even know to hop on your site and buy something. I think it's great. But at the same time, you know, having a gallery as you move up in your career and your prices get to a certain point, having a gallery is an important thing because it still is a conduit for museum curators, for critics. If you want to have a critical conversation about your exhibition, it really needs to be in a place where it can be talked about, where it's viewable for six weeks or five weeks. And there's a portion of the art world that is still focused on that If that is your goal, to get museum exhibitions or critical commentary on your work to kind of so-called build your resume, then yeah, that's great. I don't think it's either or. I think eventually, as you move up in your career, a gallery may be the better thing for you so you can really focus on your work and not worry about all those other details. But at the same time, I know there are plenty of artists that I would like to show that I've met via Instagram or whatever, and they're not interested in working with me. Not because I'm a bad guy, because I'm actually a great guy, but it's because they're doing fine. They're selling their work for a certain price, which is, you know, whatever that threshold is now, I think it keeps going up as far as what people feel comfortable buying online without seeing it. And as long as they're in that sweet spot and they're selling work directly, more power to them. And they should do that. It's when you start to inch up a little bit and you're starting talking about 10,000 and above then it may get a little more challenging that people really want to start to see the work. Of course, there are artists on Instagram that sell their work for more than that. But as you get up, you're dealing with a different type of clientele who may prefer to see it in person, may prefer to see it at an art fair. And the other thing is there are a lot of artists that their work doesn't read that well online, on the screen, on small screen. It's intricate or it's a sculpture and you need to be able to kind of get into it and get close to it. Or it's a massive painting and it's hard for that to really get conveyed online. And the other thing is if the content is challenging or if it's subtle and it doesn't really stand out online, you might do far better in the gallery. But we all all know that there's work online that visually reads really well and people stop and it makes an impression. And there's a price point that is, you know, doable for people to buy directly. The first thing that I want to restate is just, yes, you're a very great guy. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> just for everyone listening out there, I can vouch that Michael Foley is a great guy. He's nice. Oh, thank you. And you can trust him. But Michael, I really love your perspective here. This is a question I, I really enjoyed actually asking this, this same question last time uh, you were on the webcast. I think that you have such a good perspective on this. 
And I really think that that two-pronged approach, doing both in a lot of ways is the smartest path because yes, starting out, as you said, being able to get your work out there immediately, that's a possibility now that was not possible before. Of course, there's going to be exceptions on Instagram. You hear about someone selling a $50,000 piece on Instagram, but that's one of two times it's happened. But you know, there's this threshold and matching up your art to the space that it's being shown with and where that aligns with your goals, I think is the key. So if you're selling work that's for a couple hundred dollars up to a couple thousand dollars, Instagram and your own website is going to be a fitting place for it. And you can make an entire career out of that. Once you're starting to get into a few thousand dollars and and up, you're really going to want to start looking for places where people can see your art in person, whether that's a gallery, whether that's an art fair, whether that's an exhibition that you produce on your own, whatever it may be, having that in-person exhibition is going to be where people feel a lot more comfortable you know, dropping that much money on an artwork. We had an example of that with our NYCX3 e-fair that we hosted this past spring. We have this one artist, he's incredible. It's multimedia art, it's large. And he wasn't selling anything online because it moves and it's light-based and it's, but then he ended up having a collector find his work on the e-fair and he was able to schedule an in-person studio visit and ended up selling $8,000 in art to this collector, which, you know, that's an incredible story. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, you know, taking it to these next steps and seeing what makes sense for you, I think is, is so smart and taking it back to specifically galleries for artists out there looking to exhibit with a gallery, you know, you can have your work showing in a gallery where it's not this exclusive relationship. You can make sure that your goals working with that gallery line up with the gallery's goals and then not put all of your eggs into one basket, so to speak. You can, you know, try something out with the gallery and then continue selling your art separately and seeing how that works. If it ends up working completely with the gallery, maybe you decide that, hey, I'm at this stage of my career where really all I want to do, you know, I have the ability to show my art and sell it myself. But at this point, I just want to be making art and I want the gallery to to be doing the rest of the work. You might reach that, that point in your career. But yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. and it can also be you're mentioning a hybrid situation where you're, you know, you're doing fine on Instagram and a gallery reaches out and says, Hey, would you like to do a show here? And as long as you both can agree on what the relationship is, you know, do the show and then see how that goes and then, you know, then walk away from it, you know, if that's the stipulation that you have. So yeah, I think there's so much flexibility now for artists more than ever before. And a total agreement. I think you just have to try everything here at the same time and the right situation will work out for you, whether that means, you know, ultimately a gallery is going to be better suited in promoting your work and selling it and representing it, or you're doing just fine doing it on your own. See what happens. Exactly. I could not have said it better myself. Just before we move on, for the artists out there who really are looking to get their art into a gallery, what are some tips that you would have for them reaching out to a gallery, making that connection, standing out uh, from you know, probably all the other artist submissions they're receiving. What are some tips that you would have there? If I were to suggest one thing to anybody, uh, that would be just to create a relationship with that gallery. And that might mean, if you're local, if you can, going into the gallery, walking around, enjoying the exhibition, leaving and saying thank you very much, and then coming back for the next exhibition. 
Then you'll become familiar with the people that work there. They will become familiar with you. You'll start a conversation. Oh, you're an artist. That's great. Are you showing anywhere? And just one thing leads to another and you start to form a relationship because this business is based on relationships. We want to work with people we like and we would like to work with people we know and we trust and we think that are going to be loyal. So if you just start the relationship genuinely as if, hey, you're really interested in this gallery, you want to know more about it, you want to know more about their artists, and then you just make yourself known to them, that's a great way to do it. If you can't get to the gallery itself, just start an email correspondence. Just say, hey, I was on your website. I really love this one particular artist. It reminds me, you know, I feel a little connected to their work based on what I do. And you may not be looking for artists right now, but I just want to share my website. And, you know, if you want to be in touch, be in touch. Then when something new comes into your life, you get an award or you win a competition or you have a group show, then you just send an email up and say, hey, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but I I talked to you about this artist a few months ago. I just want to let you know I I have a new show, you know, coming up and here's the information for it. So the focus should be on the gallery or your relationship with that gallery rather than just you. There's too many people that will email me or walk in the door and say, hey, I'm an artist. Look at my work. Basically, it's what they say. Not those (laughs) words, but that's what they say. And I'm like immediately turned off. That'd be like, you know, going up to somebody on the street and say, hey, you're really cute. I kind of want to date you. That may work. (laughs) It's kind of like, well, where's the nuance? Where's the who are you kind of thing? You know, that's like too much too soon. Just give me a little bit. And I know people work differently. Some people may be more aggressive and they feel more comfortable doing that. But I think it's about just relationship building. And any way you can do that is going to be paramount, whether that's in person or whether that's via email. Like, let's just say, you know, from this podcast, no doubt someone might do this. And that's great. Say, hey, I heard your podcast the other day and I went to your website. I'd never heard of your gallery before. And I I noticed that you show not only photography, but also painting. I'm a painter. I didn't think your gallery would actually be appropriate for me, but I just want to share a little work with you because I really enjoyed listening to what you had to say. That's all you have to do. Instead of, you know, hearing me and then just saying, hey, I'm an artist. Uh, Here's my website. What do you think? There's no excitement there for me. So find ways to build that relationship and continue to build it as best you can. Absolutely. And art is so personal. It's personal at its its core at every step of the process. When you're making it, it's personal to you. If you're selling it to a a buyer, you know, it it matters to them to get this personal connection. And if you're going to work with a gallery, it's all about having that personal connection with them, making sure that you're not just jumping into something. The proverbial take me out to dinner first, but in this context, I think uh, is pretty fitting. But <laughs> yeah, and believe me, it works other ways too. I mean, it, you know, if your work is doing, if you're doing amazing work, the gallery may just be reaching out and say, hey, I really would love to work with you. And and that can happen too. Let's forget the foreplay. Let's, let's get right, right down to it because what you're doing, I like, and I know it. And, and when I see it and I want to connect with you and that can definitely happen from the gallery's point of view. I don't know if that should be the tack that the artist should take. I think it should be a little more nuanced than that because I think they will I think the chances of them being received at least given the opportunity to share their work and that's what you want will be far greater when you do that type of approach. Yeah, that's so smart. And yeah. you know, one other thing to keep in mind is just if you're an artist and you're reaching out to a gallery, you know, you're probably one of 
hundreds of artists that week to exaggerate who are reaching out to that gallery. And it doesn't mean that your art is bad if you're not getting the attention of that gallery. You might just be one of hundreds of good artists that are reaching out to that gallery and that gallery can't show 300 good artists standing out in different ways, like just creating that relationship with the gallerist and sharing that story a little more personally than just like, hey, look at my art. Do you want to show me? Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it's a smarter strategy. Yeah, right. I mean, you're just going to increase your chances. I mean, yeah. like I said, there are a lot of way, different ways that this stuff happens, but you're going to be in a lot better position if, you, if your approach is like that rather than just too aggressive or too overtly about you. Absolutely. So, Michael, I just want to swing it back around to uh, the photo community. So, since we last spoke, I believe you've launched the photo community, which is super exciting. I know that we were talking about that as well. I've also been undergoing a website relaunch for Superfine the last few weeks, so I, I, I know the the feeling. Congrats on on launching that. Oh, um, thank you. So the photo community, it's expanding on resources that you've offered before, like Instacrit that we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little more about what resources an artist can find on the photo community and how an artist can use these resources to make their art stand out more? You know, the photo community has a long way to build and, and to grow. There's no doubt about that. I mean, right now, the core of it is different classes that are being offered that I teach or I co-teach. Uh, one is, as you mentioned, the Instacrit, where we can actually work together either for 20 minutes or 45 minutes and talk about your work. The other, we just finished it up. I do a class with Eleanor, the photographer Eleanor Crucci, and we call the class The Perfect Match, which is kind of the, working with a gallery from the perspective of the gallerist and the perspective of the artist. And we've known each other for quite some time. And we respect and appreciate each other's talent and perspective on what it's like to work with a gallery, be in a gallery. Eleanor just finished a virtual exhibition at Hauk Gallery. So that was the first time that she ever did a full-on virtual exhibition with a major gallery, you know, in New York. So that was an interesting experience for people. And then my experience about, you know, how I work with artists, how I find artists and what that's like once you kind of get in the gallery. So we offer that. I'm going to be eventually teaching a history of contemporary photography class along with, I want to set up some masterminds. So we get groups of people that can benefit from kind of riffing off each other and sharing ideas and resources. So once we get that into play, that I think I'm actually most excited about that because, you know, everybody knows something that the other person doesn't know, whether it's an experience or a resource or a, a call for submission or a residency program or whatever it is, there's a lot of a uh, lot to be said about a group, you know, kind of a group mind sharing ideas and, and sharing work. That's kind of the core right now, but eventually, in fact, probably in about a week or two, it's going to launch a blog, which is going to be providing different resources for, it is it is for photographers, but providing different resources for them, whether it's call for entries or different opportunities. There might even be like a bulletin board for things to sell. If you have like a large printer you're upgrading and you want to sell it, that might be a great place to post it. So hopefully there'll be actual real hardcore resources that you can actually go to the site enjoy and not have to take a class necessarily, but there should be something there for everybody eventually. Very cool. No, I I love that. And I was taking a peek just before we jumped on here. Definitely anyone listening, take a look and and check out what the photo community has to to offer right now. Yep. Michael, before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask if you could give one more word of advice to the artist listening, what would it be? Uh, Know that your time may not be now. 
And that is as you're making work and you're looking around and you're say you're making abstract work and you're seeing all this figurative work getting rewarded and talked about and exhibitions and and you're doing this abstract work and you're feeling like left out or you're doing black and white work and color seems to be what's in vogue or you're doing self-portraits and political art is what really seems to be catching people's eye. And that's okay. Artists work for years and you know decades and their moment isn't quite yet. So stay with what you're doing, develop it. I mean, I'm not to say to make the same painting again or photograph again, 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 but stay true to who you are and stay true to the vision that you have and that you want to create and keep working with that. You might not get the response right now that you would hope for, or some of your peers are hoping for, but that likely will come at some point. Don't get too anxious, uh, don't get too frustrated, and don't change your work to try to assimilate into what is going on right now, or what you think is going on right now in the art world. Because by the time you catch up to it, it'll be, all, it'll be over. Just stay true to who you are and do the work and stand out for that. And eventually, if you haven't already, you will find your audience and your audience will find you. That's really all you need to eventually be a successful artist, I think. I think that ties back really nicely to uh, adding the red to the jar in third grade, making a slight pivot and staying true to who you are, developing that until it sticks instead of taking this 180 and completely changing what you're doing because you think that it's never going to work. It will work if you just stick to it, stay true to who you are and build upon that instead of starting all over and, and not trusting yourself to, to become a success. Right. I mean, just follow your own trajectory. If it needs to you know, change a little bit, if you need to learn something new, if you need to buy some new equipment or a new tool or a new medium, that, that's great. You can explore and experiment with it. Just don't do it to acquiesce to something that you think you should be doing. That's all. But yeah, definitely change and develop. That's, you need to evolve. There's no doubt about that. But don't stray too far off that course just to uh, appease something that you, you know, is really not who you are. I love it. Thank you again, Michael. And to all you business artists out there, Michael's been here with us today sharing his amazing, diverse perspective. And you're going to want to jump over to our brand new Superfine Art Fair website that I mentioned before to check out the show notes. Uh, you can find those by visiting www.superfine.world and clicking the Artist Business Plan podcast at the top. If you want to connect with Michael to learn more about the photo community, just go to thephotocommunity.org and click contact. As always, remember, we are Superfine Art Fair on Instagram. And if you want to give us a quick hello or learn more about how to apply for and exhibit at one of our upcoming fairs around the United States, just drop us a line at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world. That's artistsmakingmoney@superfine.world. As always, I'd like to end the class by sharing a quick quote with you all. Being part of a crowd and not standing out is way more frightening than being the person that stands out. Uh, that is by Shura, and I thought that was pretty fitting to the conversation that we had today. Michael, once again, it's been such a pleasure having you with us. Everyone else, have an awesome rest of your day, and remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there, and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. 
Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this and all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so follow us on Instagram at Superfine Art Fair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.